Welcome to All, All Teens, Teens Everywhere. Today we're going to be talking about the importance of inclusive spaces and cultural appreciation. So I want to start off the discussion by kind of like asking y'all if you know what Welcoming Week is, what its purpose is, whoever wants to start. Um, I'm not sure what Welcoming Week is, <laughs> but um, I'm going to assume that Welcome Week um, encapsulates kind of welcoming everyone. And based off of the questions that um, we might be following, it also includes like inclusivity. And if I'm right, I'm happy about that. <laughs> so I personally don't know a full time, a lot about like welcoming week, but based off my research, I found that it was um, started a few years ago, I believe in 2019. Um, and so basically it's an opportunity for Dallas to have events um, that ensures that people from various cultural backgrounds have the opportunity to feel welcome and also share their cultures with other people. So um, both of you were sort of right. Welcoming <laughs> Week is a two-week celebration, uh, and it's a national um, two-week celebration for America to kind of embrace uh, its uh, immigrant population, to embrace uh, intercultural dialogue, to embrace the fact that communities of different races, of different ethnicities, all live together since, of course, America is known as the melting pot of cultures since we have so many. So on the topic of that, how has living in Dallas, how has Dallas impacted your cultural identity since you first moved here? Did you have an inclusive space? Anybody can start, by yeah, the go way. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, no, you go. No, no, oh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> um, she was looking at you. You know what, Abram, maybe you, you can take the lead yeah, on this please, one. Everybody's you got good. this. <laughs> so what was the question again? <laughs> okay, so when you first came to Dallas, or if you were born here, did you feel like you had um, a cultural space, a safe cultural space? Uh, no, I did not. Um, I was raised and born in Mexico. I was raised my first seven years of my life. And so when I moved here back in 2016, it was when the Trump presidency was on full board on full boost. So when I moved here, um, from all the way from Dallas PD to um, the Dallas firefighters, everyone, even my teachers and some of my uh, classmates would uh, call me names. And even though I live in a Hispanic community, um, it would still not be like very safe place for me. Um, it was just awful. I, I didn't have anywhere when I moved here to the United States. Um, but yeah. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. Mm. That must have been That's really awful. tough. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you feel like you have a space now, now that time has passed? 50-50. Mm. Uh, uh, I think w I do have one, but we have to improve a lot of things within <laughs> within white communities. <coughs> more uh, noticeably um, to improve spaces for immigrants and people mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. So anybody else have any cultural experiences? Well, um, for me, I was born here. Uh, I was born in Dallas and um, I'm from, my parents are from Cameroon. We are, um, my parents are Cameroon, uh, Cameroonian immigrants. And in that sense, uh, I was raised that way. And with being Cameroonian, they created a organization called DAFCAM, which was um, 
a culmination of both Dallas and uh, Cameroonians, where Cameroonians would come together and showcase their culture through dance, music, and um, food, and things like that. And I loved it. Every year we went, um, I would dance, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> eat, wow. listen to music. Um, all those things uh, encapsulated kind of what I perceived as Cameroonian culture. And it's something that I liked a lot, but over time it started to regress because of, I think, structural differences within the Cameroonian um, community because, you know, sometimes it comes down to uh, whether it is greediness or uh, like family problems. So those things started to fade away. So we no longer have that type of community, but we still have um, like parties and things like that that we all go to. But I think I really, I, I really wish that it was something that was a bit more um, out there, like in within the within the Dallas community, I wish that like this organization could have been a thing not only for Cameroonians, but a thing for you know our Hispanic community, or a thing for our you know our other you know Africans out there, or Nigerians out there, you know. And I think that you know those things are really good in creating a inclusive community that is um, actually there for the culmination of an experience that like America has advertised. Oh, okay, sounds good. Great, okay. Um, well, I, um, like similarly, I have parents who come from West Africa and they are Nigerian. And so similar to Leroy, I was born here, in, not in Dallas, in Houston actually, mm -hmm. but um, I've spent the majority of my life here. And I think that Nigerians, like especially those of us who have Nigerian parents, we do a really good job of finding each other and always trying to come together and find community, mm -hmm. but also within the Nigerian community. While I'm not sure if we have an official sort of organization like that, I know we do have the Yoruba Cultural Center, since mm -hmm. that's my tribe. We have one, I think it's over on Walnut Hill. And, um, but within like my own peers, like we often find ways to get together like during the school year and all of that. And outside of that, again, um, parties are a really big deal for Nigerians because in addition to having the opportunity to like take enough food to last you several weeks, you also have the opportunity <laughs> to um, see your friends and really reconnect and find those cultural spaces. So, yeah. Oh, me? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, I, was, I was born here in Dallas, um, uh, but I'm very big on my culture. I actually dance for a religious group at my church. Um, it's called um, Dansa Mixteca, and uh, we're very big on our culture and like very expressing ourselves. Um, I know, like I've been very like criticized about like how I dance and everything like that in it because it's more like traditional in like tribe Indian dancing, but like I feel whenever I'm dancing, it feels like oh I feel so safe within it. Like you know, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's so sweet. Okay, so I was born and raised here in Dallas, and I'm a part of a club at my school. It's called MOCA. Okay. So it's for the African Americans at our school so we can build our culture and so we can get to know more about like our history and stuff like that. <laughs> so I feel like Dallas and just people in general are trying to build our culture and try to get us more involved and stuff like that. Even like the city of Dallas, they've been having more events and stuff like that for us to get more involved and I love that. Aww. I'm curious. 
So um, I was born in Puerto Rico, and I uh, left the island when I was seven. And when we first moved here, there was a lot more of events centered around Puerto Rican culture. The Latino Cultural Center held something for the holiday Tres Reyes, mm -hmm. but they stopped doing that since, of course, like less Puerto Ricans started showing up, the pandemic. Um, there was Puerto Rican restaurants in Dallas, but I guess Puerto Rican food's not for everyone, so mm -hmm. they closed, even though it is the best food ever. So I feel like the Puerto, Ric the Puerto Rican community is already so small in itself since um, a lot of us have like left the island and a lot of us like live now in the States. But if you like know, like even if you maybe didn't grow up together, like if you're a Puerto Rican, you probably know the other Puerto Ricans in Dallas. Even if you have no association, you know somebody who knows somebody. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there's always gonna be that sense of community, even though the community itself is like super small. Like we have five to six Puerto Rican family friends who live here, but it's always, it's always going to feel disconnected because we're one of the way we're we're one of the smallest um, Hispanic cultures due to, of course, the island size. So it's always kind of hard to find your people. So when you do, you feel really blessed that you find someone to connect with who um, knows like your culture's values, who knows um, your traditions, who knows your food, who knows your language. So you know, there there's the positives and the negatives, but I feel like. Um, we're slowly growing back up again. There's actually a Puerto Rican event today at the Latino Cultural Center, mm -hmm. which made me really happy because I'm glad to see them starting back up again. Mm -hmm. So, um, I was born here, but my family is Jewish, um, and it's nice to see, like in Dallas at least, there are a lot of associations or organizations where other Jewish people can meet up and talk about culture. Um, or JSU is Jewish Student Union, which we're starting at my school. And um, it's a place for you to learn about your culture and reconnect, um, especially with like growing anti-Semitism. Um, and it's just really nice to see Dallas putting in that work. So um, talking about like your school organization centered around culture and centered like the city of Dallas doing events centered around culture, what do you believe is the importance of cultural spaces and how do you believe that cultural spaces help foster um, intercultural dialogue? I think that cultural spaces are meant for the education of like that culture. I think that like a lot of people normally may have, you know, certain things to say about certain like communities, mainly because they don't know about them. And I think that um, having discussions about them and having discussions about like what they're like what types of foods do they like? What languages do they speak? Why um, certain, why are, like, what are certain cultural norms uh, within the, that community? Why are those cultural norms accepted? Why are they good? Um, things, questions like that, and giving those answers are actually really good for, I think, talking about like that culture. And it also is good for, for the people of the culture because they feel that they, they feel like they're being heard. So like for me, um, my dad, a few months ago, we went to Houston for a cultural event. And um, this cultural event featured um, someone we called the Fawn, who is the king of a village. And in this, like, in this, like, during this, during the, during the time of this, like, what you would do is whenever they're walking in somewhere, or like, it, it, was, it was in a house, so it was not that big, whatever. But um, whenever the king is walking in, everybody has to stand up. There's certain caps you have to wear in your head. You can't. You you can't have like your head empty. So you're like you can't just have your hair out. 
they should be covered by something. Um, when the king is talking, nobody else is. Um, the whole room is quiet. When you want to talk to the king, everybody else is quiet. It's only you and them. Um, when the king needs to get up to go do something, whether it is to eat or anything, everybody stands up and sits down next to me. So that was very interesting to see because I'd never seen anything that close up. I was low-key scared because <laughs> I, 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 I don't want to get in any trouble because, like, all my uncles and stuff were there. But it was cool to see that. And then you come back to school on Monday, and it's like you're seeing, you know, like, everybody, but, like, everything is kind of different from, like, what you experienced, like, the past weekend before, mm -hmm. which it's like you're changing yourself. And I think that that shouldn't be a thing you would have to do. I think that what we should do is we should bring – those cultures in a space of, of, of teaching, in a, in a space of pedagogy, where all of us are talking about those things. And um, other people are experiencing your culture while you experience everyone else's, um, like like African restaurants and things like that. Mm -hmm. That's true. That was nice. <laughs> <laughs> Who's next? Anybody have experience with cultural spaces? Oh, oh okay. My cultural space at my school Mocha, since I left it, but it's basically building our connections. So you know how we don't learn about the same things about our culture in school anymore. Mm -hmm. So if other people don't tell us about it, then who's gonna tell us? Mm -hmm. So it's like if I don't learn it from my parents, then who outside is gonna tell me? And I love that Mocha is providing me with the education that I need, and further and more my education with my culture that I don't know. So um, <laughs> um, I don't really know if we have an organization at my school surrounding around culture, but um, like I said, I am part of a dance group at my church, um, and I feel like that's really helped me like connect with the culture that I am because I'm already 18, and they're already like teaching me, like, oh, when you're 18, you have to do this. You have oh, to learn yeah. to do this. You have to learn to do that. And I'm like, oh, but when I was young, I had to like, oh, it's, it's okay. You're not 18 yet. Yeah. You don't have to do this yet. You're still a kid. Now it's like, oh, everything's being pushed on me to like learn everything about my culture. And it's like, oh, okay. That's so much pressure on me now. And now I'm trying to teach my cousins that are very young, like, hey, like when you turn a certain age, you're going to have to start doing this. You're yeah. going to start doing that. I'm trying to teach them young while they're still like, Still, like, not maturing, but, like, maturing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're going down the line. Okay. <laughs> I am noticing a trend. So, um, like I was previously saying, since we have such a small community, having organizations to kind of, like, find your people in such a small space. Um, my school has a Spanish honor society, but that's, like, the closest we've ever gotten to, like, grouping all the Hispanic students together. And even then, it's, like... You're never, like, I've never met another Puerto Rican at my school. I met one Puerto Rican, and she's half Puerto Rican, half Mexican, and I love her. But it's, like, we, we're such a small group of people. We don't have our own associations. Very few universities, now that I'm applying to college, I'm looking for culturally inclusive groups for um, Puerto Rican people or, or Caribbean people or, or Latino people in general. And few universities have... Um, clubs or organizations centered around like fostering the environment of the Latino community. So it's always something that I have to like be on the lookout for. I have to search for it. It's not always available for me. 
but it's always like I've always felt very rooted to my culture so regardless of whether there's a cultural space or not um, I'm always able to at least find like one or two people that I'm able to talk about like being Puerto Rican with talking about the struggles of people on the island with so yeah Okay. Yeah, well, we'll put a little translation. Uh, pues, uh, Oclef, en la parte que yo vivo, es mayoritariamente hispano. Uh, entonces, nunca me siento incómodo, por decir, en, en mi parte del barrio. Um, pero, a mí, yo lo malo que veo es que estoy muy uh, envuelto con la ciudad, uh, en varios proyectos y todo eso. Entonces, incluso en esta situación en la que estoy ahorita, tengo que cambiar la forma en la que actúo, una forma, por decir, más blanca, más educada, porque siento que la gente me va a mirar mal por de, la, de la cultura que yo tuve. Entonces, siempre en este tipo de posiciones necesito uh, verme un poquito más blanco, más asimilado a la cultura americana y... La verdad siento que, como dijo Leroy, tenemos que traer uh, todas las culturas a estos ciertos tipos de espacios y yo creo que más a las sociedades altas y de gobierno, porque la mayoría ahí son gente blanca que piensan que nuestra cultura es un poco rara o un poco exótica. Entonces, um, eso y la verdad tengo mucho miedo, como dijo Andrea, uh, porque... En Dallas, al menos en la urban core de Dallas, ha habido mucha gentrificación en los barrios latinos. Uh, Visual Parks es un ejemplo. Mm -hmm. uh, y hay un otro ejemplo que, que ha sido olvidado, que es Uptown. Antes era un barrio negro y latino, y fue terminado siendo, desapareció completamente del mapa, y ahora lo único que existe de él es un cementerio al lado de la carretera 75. Entonces creo que debemos de empezar a tomar las conversaciones serias sobre la gentrificación y sobre brindar um, varias razas a estos espacios uh, de clase alta o política. Wow. Okay. So, um, quick translation. Uh, we'll include one also in the podcast, but quick translation for everyone here. So he was talking about how since he's very, I'm gonna like go all over the place, but since he was very involved and he's very involved in local government, he feels like he has to kind of change the way that he acts um, to seem more white, to seem more acceptable. And he has to kind of act like he's more assimilated into American culture than he really is because otherwise there might not be as much respect from the people that he works with or from people um, from different organizations that he currently works with. Um, and he also talked about gentrification about and about how like Latino and black communities are being erased because of gentrification. They're being removed from their communities. They're being um, taken out and now there's nothing left. Like there, there's no remaining uh, cultural community there anymore in certain parts of Dallas. And he brought up Uptown about how they completely like erased the black and Latino communities and replaced it with a cemetery off of 75. So it's about bringing culture into discussions and making people realize that culture isn't something strange that they should hyperanalyze, but it's something that should be embraced and something that should be incorporated into um, everyday life. Mm -hmm. Let me know, Margarita, if I missed anything. No, you're right. Or if I missed anything. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so I'd say that as I have grown up, I think, 
like when I was younger, I never really thought of culture, to be honest, because it was just something that was so much a part of everything I did. Like, mm-hmm. I would eat Nigerian, like, you know, people, it's weird because people are always like, oh, I'm going to go get some, like, XYZ cuisine. Yeah. And I'm just like, <laughs> okay, like, that's literally my entire fridge is right, Nigerian right. cuisine. So it's not really something that I ever thought of growing up. But I think, especially as I kind of finished up middle school and started high school, which is a predominantly, like, white space, I began to think about culture in a different context because it is, it's so hard to explain. Like, for me personally, as a black minority and also as a Nigerian minority, I want so much to share my culture with other people now because I'm more aware of it and I'm more aware of kind of the impact that it has had on my life and the impact that it could possibly have on other people's lives. So kind of going back to the original question about like spaces, um, I'm very much rooted in my culture, so I kind of don't really often feel the need for a space. When I was younger, especially, I didn't. But as I've gotten older, I want so much more to be in touch with my culture and to share it with other people. And similar to Andrea, as I'm looking for universities, I'm looking for somewhere that has the interest of Mm -hmm. the black and Nigerian communities in mind and also a space where I can share my culture with other and other people and have it be embraced. I agree, and I feel like um, talking about our cultures is very important to people willing to accept us, because um, as I was growing up, I didn't really face any anti-Semitism, but as I got older, that changed, and people, as you meet them, they'll treat you one way, and when they find out you're from this culture or uh, you practice this religion, they'll treat you differently, and you will see that, and it's important to find a community like that you can talk about these issues with, and you can... Um, express how you feel about that and teach people about your religion or about your culture so that they aren't afraid of what like you believe because a lot of people fear stems from what they don't know mm-hmm. and they don't accept what they don't know and so they'll say these things and they don't really know the impact that like they don't know what kind of impact they have actually has on people mm-hmm. and I kind of just want to like ask a based off of what we've all said. So um, something that was brought up quite a bit is like kind of culture in relation to assimilation. So how do y'all feel as though you've had to either um, change your way of being to fit other people's like standards or, yeah, just curious about that. Anyone? All right, all right. Um, For me, I think that like growing up, my like living around my parents, uh, you know them speaking comp- like different languages. It is it has altered my my accent a lot. So um, whenever I'm speaking, uh, it's a, a, like it's like a giveaway kind of. And because it is, a lot of people um, like they would, they would they say certain things right, and those things are not always very nice. And uh, they might like imitate uh, what they think your culture is or what they have um, seen. Um, and that is, in a way, th- that's very disrespectful to the culture. And I, like, I have personally had problems with that. But I can tell you one thing. One movie, one movie <laughs> changed it all. Black Panther, man. Oh. <laughs> Whenever Black Panther came out, I told everybody I was Wakandan. I'm telling you, bro. Everybody knew I was Wakandan. Anyways, that was probably my way of um, assimilation. I think that 
um, a, like trying to call myself something that was perceived as cool um, by um, the society that I was in was my way of kind of uh, trying to fit in um, where uh, I didn't feel I belonged. But now, for me, I personally want to be put in situations that are tougher for me. So that way I can, like, I like going against the grain. I like, you know, being put in uh, positions that, like, I have to express my culture and whether you like it or not, that's that's tough, right? You're, you're gonna have to deal with it. And I think that um, expressing that culture will help them kind of um, like accept it as a norm rather than something to be analyzed. Like, like, um, and that's really important to, to me and the way I kind of carry myself every day. So things like me wearing my, my uh, cultural bracelets and things like that are things that I do as a way of showing people that, you know, you're dealing with an African here, but you know, Central African here, you know, don't play. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's that's essentially what what I've kind of come to um, over the years of growing up in a society that um, used to like that like is in the grayish area of accepting um, African culture in general. And like kind of going off of that, like representation in the media is very important because um, minority representation in the media can affect how everybody else sees your entire culture because people like to generalize. Mm -hmm. So if you see a movie where like. Um, it your culture isn't accurately represented, you may face some discrimination. Mm -hmm. Or people might just lump you with that group of people mm -hmm. and say like, oh, you're like them because you practice their culture, mm -hmm. and that isn't always true. Mm -hmm. um, and like, especially with uh, artists or like famous people, when they say things about your culture or what you believe in, it can affect how people view you. I guess, <clears throat> for me, I'm a little torn about kind of the topic of assimilation because not because I think assimilation is something that everyone should like nobody should have to I think change their culture to fit a norm but I guess just having grown up in the spaces in which I've grown up it's like there's always kind of a fear I think amongst people who aren't like the majority just because it's like you don't want to on one hand it's like you want to embrace your culture but then on the other hand it's like you don't want to be like giving into any stereotypes mm -hmm. and so that definitely has impacted the way i act especially like i don't know it's it's again hard to explain but <coughs> on the one hand i'm like okay here i am as a nigerian american but then on the other hand i never want to come across as like too much because on that if i do follow that like too muchness it's like oh she's this mm -hmm. or she's that mm -hmm. so on the topic of accents, um, Leroy brought up how people kind of like assume uh, from where you are based on your accent. So I didn't personally face this since NCR. I went to a school that taught us both English and Spanish, um, but my mom faced um, discrimination when we moved here based on her accent. Um, even now, she still has an accent, and I don't want to say like she's self-conscious about it, but she obviously, like it's obvious that people um, discriminate even though they like inherently discriminate if you have an accent. Um, earlier when we first got here, like in job interviews, you would see heavy discrimination based if you had an accent or not. Um, and in her workplace now, like the majority of the people who work there speak Spanish. So um, she was kind of able to find her niche. But um, when I went to a private school, um, the funny thing was that all of our, all of my friends and all of like her mom friends were the minorities, were the Hispanics that went to my school because of her 
not like willing to assimilate to American culture, not willing to kind of like change the way that she raised me and changed um, our traditions and our beliefs to make the other moms like her, which I feel like also has to do with like cliques in general, but it's also like um, find the people who know your culture, know your tradition, and you kind of stick with them because they're your lifeboat if you are not willing to assimilate. Other than that, like if you are willing to assimilate, then I guess you have more options, but even then it's like stay true to your roots, mm. you know? Mm. Yeah, exactly. And kind of building off of what you were saying, like when you're able to find those spaces, it, ma- it brings me so much joy to s- see people find spaces in which they feel included just because it's like, it's almost like you don't have to explain your soul to anybody. Mm-hmm. You don't have to explain like your day-to-day experiences. And so I think that's a very powerful mm-hmm. thing. Especially in like Dallas, mm-hmm. um, like as, like in public school, I go to public school, and definitely there, is, like there are a lot of people who won't accept you solely because of your culture, um, and like there's lots of cousins in the bathroom, and like people like say these things mm-hmm. that they don't really understand the impact of. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is really important to find your group of people and your club, and the people who really understand you. Okay, and that's first the question. Like, what does what does calling out look like? So, like, whenever these um, kind of, uh, like, remarks or um, symbols are put in places that you exist and they're against you, that you're constantly fighting against them, what does, like, what what is our mechanism for calling them out? Do we call them out or do we just kind of just let them go? Like, what does, what, what are all of your responses for for that? Uh, I'm just going to say, I straight up with people sometimes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, Andrea knows me. I'll yeah. tell someone if, like, I don't really like them or anything. Um, but, like, I'll go up to someone and, like, what's your problem? Like, like, would you like it if I did send this to you, Low basically? Yeah. So I, I would just, like, call them out and everything. Mm-hmm. Kind of on that note, um, this is a story that I tell a lot of people about my private school experience. But um, there were three to four Latino kids in my grade. And I don't want to say that we were ignorant, but we were pretty ignorant. (laughs) So um, we had a kid, and uh, I remember this very distinctly. We were walking back into the building, and it was nearing the time that, like, Trump was running for election, or he had just won. But kids were making comments towards this Mexican kid about, like, him being a border hopper and him climbing the wall and him, like, going back to like where he came from like as a joke because apparently they were friends but like first of all that person is not your friend second of all that is not a joke and it made me so mad and I called him out and he's like oh it's just like joking around like it's not serious but like people don't understand the extent that their comments like how much one it hurts but how like it impacts a culture as a whole because even if you're making those comments as a joke it's not a joke you're impacting a culture you're spreading false stereotypes about a whole ethnicity when at the end of the day like one they're not true two like come on like you could have joked about anything else but you chose to joke about where somebody came from Mm -hmm. so like margarita said straight up calling out like if you're making these kinds of comments i will i will tell you that it's wrong because Mm -hmm. you can't like you can't if a person is doing it over and over again like, being gentle is not going to work. You mm-hmm. have to just be straight mm-hmm. up. You have to call them out, and you have to make them realize that if you keep doing this, like, you're perpetuating 
negative stereotypes and that is going to impact way more people than you think and then whenever you tell like like your administrator at school like oh they're saying this oh it's just a joke it's just a joke Mm -hmm. like they're just joking around no it's not a joke like Mm -hmm. this is serious like Mm -hmm. take action if you're not going to do something i will do something Mm -hmm. well i think for me what i've done um like my mechanisms with things like these uh was pretty much it i was ignorant at one point um because you know uh being thrown into the culture at home and then like coming to school and like it not being there was kind of normal for me so uh, you know i didn't pay much mind to it it was not something that i really paid attention to but um it was something that happened probably like this past summer actually uh, two years ago where um our we went on a trip to alabama and we went to a a uh, museum and this museum um, was it used to be a, a museum where they used to o- uh, hold slaves. That's where that's, that's what it, it was it used to be the, for the housing of slaves. And it was when we went in, it was like a cycle. It's like uh, the uh, premise of the museum was to show the um, structural oppression of black people back then and how it's being perpetuated now. And it was like a cycle that you would you would walk through. So first it showed water and like the the moving of slaves, and then it would show the um, the the uh, like the it would show like where like slaves were caged and then it would like it would be a hologram that would walk up to you and tell you like their story and this was hard hitting some people could not get through the museum without like breaking down I got through the museum and after that like my whole view of the way I kind of like um, approach situations like those has completely changed because I think that um, seeing something like that in that magnitude is very essential so that way you understand when um, you're facing, you know, like anti-blackness or you're facing, you know, anti-Semitic, uh, uh, you know, things that are happening to you, right? And whenever I started to see them at my school, I started to call them out and people started to get very confused because they were like, this is not the same Leroy, you know, we had last year. And I was like, yeah, I'm new. So, you know, you're gonna have to deal with it. But I think that uh, like learning about it too as well and like being put face to face with with it has put me in a position to kind of um, call those things out a bit more. And some people don't take it um, very seriously and you know, that makes sense, you know, I understand that. But I do think that those things are specifically harmful to, you know, to people. It, it definitely breaks you down, but calling it out gives you some sort of power and it, like it allows you to reclaim it and things like that, which I like. And I think definitely with our society, there's an issue to where if you do call things out, people will be like, oh, they're just sensitive and they'll start to like um, do things without you and like uh, exclude you from events because you called things out. So it puts you in a hard position. And definitely I think we need to advocate for our cultures more and speak about them more and bring more cultural awareness so that people really understand cultures before they can start to discriminate against them. Mm-hmm. And I'd say, especially in elementary and middle school, mm-hmm. that is a really critical time. Yeah. First of all, for the development of their brain, mm-hmm. but if you are getting access to how other people from around the world are living their lives and how people even in your community who don't look like you are living their lives, like that will allow you to grow up as a person who doesn't ha- necessarily have the same level of ignorance mm-hmm. and someone who's able to 
at least come into contact with other people and not like freak out or not automatically feel the need to discriminate or make a joke that isn't funny things like that mm-hmm. and i feel like when we were younger kids really didn't know they don't have the education that <laughs> yeah. they really need so why are you calling me a slave and like you know like you really don't know the background to it and you just letting that fly out your mouth and i just yeah. feel like yeah you need the education so mm-hmm. someone needs to tell you mm-hmm. like parents don't go home and tell you like you were wrong for that like your teacher might tell you like you know on the side yeah you shouldn't have said that but like some people need to go home and rethink like this is this this is hurting like mm-hmm. This is hurting the culture. Like, why are you saying I'm a slave because I'm black? Like, you know? Mm-hmm. And if we don't start teaching people young, they'll grow up with these mindsets mm-hmm. and they'll become fixed. And, yeah, they'll become intransigent to changing their minds on certain cultures, certain ideas, certain beliefs. So I do believe that it is very important to teach them in lower school um, and in primary schools that culture should be accepted and maybe have, like, a cultural awareness day, like, once a month or... Mm-hmm. Also, depolarization in educational spaces is really critical also because when spaces that are meant to inform people about how to become a functioning member of society are too polarized, you kind of miss the point of education because I believe that like education, especially when it relates to culture, it lies somewhere in the middle because oftentimes when we are polarizing too much, it's kind of like we forget that it's people who are polarizing. And unfortunately, a lot of kids are kind of caught in that and then they don't really know how to how else to be. And so I think it's really important that we make sure to inform about as much as possible mm-hmm. in the educational space. Mm-hmm. So I'm noticing how education is a running theme and how the lack of thereof kind of um, harms like how people are perceived by others. Mm-hmm. So what is like one time or one experience that you have been harmed by somebody's lack of education of their culture, and how did you overcome that experience? I know that's a very loaded question, mm-hmm. so if you need a second to think. Repeat the question one more time. <laughs> so how has um, the lack of education about your culture or your race um, negative, negatively impacted you, and how did you overcome that? I think that um, whenever uh, like like education was like a bit lacking uh, when it came to uh, things that uh, specifically impacted my culture was probably um, like when they would call or they would like imitate what their what the stereotype of an African is or they would imitate what um, like they would take the stereotype of let's say a Caribbean and take that and like apply it over every every African. And that, yeah, it hurts. Um, so I think that like whenever we are like learning about these things and um, actually like uh, teaching or like having cultural days and, th- and stuff like that, they should be, there should be some sort of depolarization in the sense that we should create like a stimulus, like something that makes them want to learn about it, uh, that makes them curious about learning about it and then uh, them trying to f- kind of navigate their way towards learning it rather than like putting them in a classroom showing them a bunch of images of a bunch of different people and saying that these are the certain characteristics that are assigned to these people which um, is kind of like how education is today and 
I think that that's something that needs to be changed. That is an education. That is some sort of bulimia. That's putting something into someone and telling them to regurgitate it. That's not what we want. What we want is them to have hunger for that knowledge. Um, so like, let's say asking a question, like a, a really serious question, like one Andrea just asked us um, <laughs> about, um, <laughs> about um, pretty much like culture or uh, something that kind of spurs uh, curiosity within them and then, and then telling them to go, go find it. So giving them resources, uh, putting them in certain spaces that uh, push them to kind of uh, talk about their experiences and kind of reel in what other people's experiences are. So that way, whenever they do have the ability to function in society as, um, as adults, they continue to uh, have that approach when meeting new people rather than um, having a preconceived like, idea of what this person is based off of what you, like, based off of their name, based off of their accent, based off of uh, their religion. We should work on asking that person, talking to that person, because on the other, like, you know, on that, that person is also a human, just like you. So um, talking to that person about what their experiences are specifically are um, key to actually being able to um, avoid any type of like harm done to you specifically um, because let's say you were ignorant or that other person was ignorant and that like specifically was you. Amen. You could sound awfully quiet. Yeah. Would, you like to, would you like to add on? I know you talked about like assimilation and having faced um, discrimination mm -hmm. within the Mexican stuff. I think that was like in the educational context if you'd like to share. So I remember this one thing. I was in fifth grade and back then I didn't know any English, I didn't know how to write, spell, anything. So I remember for my assignments I used to use Google Translate because what else could I use? Um, and this one time I turned in an assignment and my teacher was like, you don't speak this way, you don't write this way. And I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, because I know you don't know any, any English. And I was like, well, I tried my best and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, no. And then she snapped back. And then she was like, put your hands like this. And well, we all know what, what happened next. Um, uh, so, you know, ever since then, I, I tried my best at speaking English. And then last year, my band teacher, I was talking about coming from Mexico. And he asked me, do you have papers? Are you an illegal? And I just oh laughed it off. Um, and I was like, haha, you're so funny, um, mister. And let's just. <laughs> he just asked you, like, unironically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he took it as a joke. But, anyways. Uh, and then, one, when I used to work back in Bishop uh, in an ice cream store named Azúcar. Hi, Andy, if you're watching this. Um, yeah. <laughs> one of the customers, well, it was mostly white people, was like, well, I was, I had to ask cash or card, and when I asked when other couples, they were like, ugh, what a stupid immigrant, don't you know I'm gonna pay with cards? And you know, I always used to tell them in Spanish, like, a lot of things. Um, and then the second time, this one girl complained about me speaking Spanish and ruining her shopping experiences in Shop Park. And so, you know, my manager did the reasonable thing of firing me for speaking Spanish within my own neighborhood. Um, 
And yeah, ever since those experiences, I mean, I had more. I just have to kind of assimilate into like, as I said, why, and you know, my parents are always like, you have to dress fancy with suits and all that, and you have to respect your elected officials, whatever. But honestly, I don't care anymore. I'm <laughs> gonna dress as I want, I'm gonna speak about them badly or good, I don't care. Um, so it's just been hard to kind of balance everything out, kind of like people telling me, oh, express yourself, be open. And then, you know, people are right being racist and firing me from my job and all that. And then my parents telling me, well, you know, you have to look good in front of them because you're an immigrant. We're, you're representing all of us. And I think that's one point of view that gets missed a lot, that a lot of immigrants. So this one meeting I had, uh, one of the ladies was like, oh, you're the trash person. Here you go. Even though I had like a big ass badge on me. So it was like, yeah, it's just been assimilating kind of keeping my culture and then at the same time you know be white American you know I think definitely there's like a giant double standard in society where they're like oh yeah be yourself um, represent your culture but at the same time when you do that they'll discriminate against you mm -hmm. and call you names and say all these things to you um, but they want themselves to feel better and they want to make themselves look good and like they're accepting when they're really just not. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's almost like a question of like, oh, we're inviting you to be yourself, but like you're choosing not to, but it's like, you can't really because if you do, then like a lot of, you're gonna encounter a lot of problems as you, yeah. as you know firsthand, so. Yeah. Audacity. I'm so yeah. sorry. Yeah. Audacity. Yeah. The more, the, the longer you kept speaking, like my jaw just kept like dropping yeah. because yeah. that, like, I, I'm, I'm so speechless, like, I have no words. Oh, and actually, one thing uh, that reminded me, so, one time, there was a 7-Eleven near my, there was a 7-Eleven near my elementary school, and that was when I first moved to the United States, and so there were two Dallas PD officers there, and the store clerk, and we were behind them, and I remember they were saying it in English, they were like, you know what these immigrants are missing? A star on their chest. Like to symbolize that they're immigrants, so we can bring them to ICE and get them kicked out of the country. And I remember the store clerk agreed, and I just looked at my mom, and I was like, "We have to go." And ever since then, like that has been the most like shocking thing ever. I mean, you know, I feel like they're just really. Oh my god! That's <laughs> awful. horrific. And the fact that South Dallas and you said that you worked in Bishop Arts, like those are majority minority communities, mm -hmm. and you're going in yeah. there and mm -hmm. being like, you like you first of all you don't belong there. You're right. being welcomed in there, and then you're acting racist and you're discriminating, even though that's not your community to be in to begin with. Like the you you have like the audacity. Like that's the only way I can describe it. The audacity that you have to go in there and complain that you're speaking Spanish when the majority of the neighborhood speaks Spanish. Right, but mm -hmm. I think that the reason why they do this is because nobody calls them out. They're afraid. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of immigrants think they're gonna get in trouble and it's the same within government. It's kinda like, they're like, why should I speak at these meetings or why should I do this and that? They're gonna kick me out of the country. They're gonna change my legal status. I'm like, they're not gonna do that. You can call them out, you can call them whatever you want and they're not gonna do anything for you. They can't, so I think, you know, the. The, the point of view that a lot of people are missing is kind of like, 
people don't speak up most of the time and they don't do a lot of stuff most of the time because they're afraid of being kicked out of being back mm-hmm. in their country it's not a bad thing but you know a lot of people are afraid because they moved to the united states to have this new life and they just don't want to waste it just because they wanted to do something right um for how diverse um our country is it's crazy how racist people can still be mm-hmm. because we are one of the few countries that has so much different varieties and cultures and ethnicities and religions and beliefs and we still have one of the biggest issues with racism anti-semitism and all these other social issues that shouldn't be as bad as they are and i think hearing what you're saying actually is terrifying because knowing first of all we're not that far removed from things like the holocaust from segregation from Native Americans even getting the right to be citizens. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not super far removed from this. And so hearing, I think, thank you so much for sharing that because mm-hmm. we need to hear more viewpoints like this to know that things like this are actually happening to real people so that hopefully things like that don't happen again in mm-hmm. the future. And like when people accept, when people say things like that, that's really hurtful. Like Kanye tweeted that he wanted to go to DEFCON 3 on the twos. And like millions of people were supporting him through that. And that was kind of shocking, especially in like today's day and age when everyone's about diversity and inclusion. But how are you going to support an artist who says things like that? And I feel, oh, I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. I feel like these uh, like celebrities or influencers really have so much impact on what people think. Um, so whenever people are out there like, oh, I'm supporting this, I'm supporting that. But once your favorite artist or someone that you really look up to tweets something or says something, oh, I'm going to change my perspective on everything and I'm going to go towards that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, brainwash. Mm-hmm. Yes. We're not encouraging people to think enough. Yeah. Exactly. And like, especially after Kanye tweeted that last year, um, hate crimes among Jews like, spiked yeah. because he has so many followers. They're going to blindly believe what he mm-hmm. believes. Um, and like, he should not be uh, supported for his beliefs in that way. And his apology was that he watched 21 Jump Street and he said that now he likes Jewish people again. He never fully apologized for that. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Kanye is certainly a person. Um, But kind of like on your topic of that, like the fact that millions of people were supporting that, of course it's on Kanye, but it's also on our education system Mm -hmm. because if we had accurately and like hammered in on the fact that like anti-semitism and racism is like not welcome in society that it's wrong then way more people like i am calling it way more people would have called him out Mm -hmm. like he would have instead of like having millions of likes on his tweets like it would have been millions of comments saying what like what did you just say but because our education system especially in certain parts of the country likes to I don't want to say erase, but that's kind of what's happening. They like to erase history, and they like to erase the impacts of racism and discrimination. Then more people are not aware. Mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. kind of want to, like, going off of what we've all said, so all of us are some sort of minority in this space, and so I'm curious, what do you all think is the significance of having this intercultural dialogue amongst people who are often not, who's, who aren't often, like, mainstream, I guess, and how do you think that that like what impact will that have on society at large if things like this don't happen? Okay, I'll go first. 
go ahead. Yeah, girl, go. Oh, you got it. Okay. <laughs> repeat, the, repeat the question real quick so I can sit on you. To, yeah. No, 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 you're fine. <laughs> to what is the importance of having, like, intercultural dialogue, um, you know, people from very different mm -hmm. minority groups, like, really talking and building a better future? Mm -hmm. So hearing it out from all of you, we all have different perspectives, all have different, different things happen to us. So it's just like, wow, like, this is really real life. This this, this ain't a joke. So it's right, just like, right. I'm really, like, shocked. Like, jaws dropping, I swear. So it's just like, for us to have this conversation, it's bettering us. Like, it's letting us, it's educating us because other people won't. So we really didn't, I did not know that was really happening to people. So it's just like, oh, my God. But, yes, I feel like this is amazing that we are expressing Telling each other, yeah. Mm -hmm. Marjorie, react. Uh, <laughs> well, I've been through some really like like situations of uh, like being Mexican and everything like that. Um, but like, I don't know. I I've had like of course talks with like my parents and stuff like that, and like with Andrea and then like some other of my friends, because um, we've been called so many names at like my old school by teachers too, or like. Um, yeah, like you're grown people talking about kids that are like, you're they're supposed to be like getting that education from you, yeah. but I don't know. It's just I feel like we need to just keep pushing it. Like these, pe I don't say these people, but like <laughs> <laughs> literally though, yeah. you know, these Same. people, like what we are and like who we are, and like you have to like basically live with it because we are like everyone's diverse. Everyone has their, like their own different story and everything like that. So. We need to like just not deal with it, but like deal with it in our way to like teach people their understanding. And I think it's really important to learn about the microaggressions that other people have been through. So it broadens your perspective of how like uh, what hap like what happens to other cultures and how other people are affected and treated, so that you can help also um, educate others about their cultures and everything, so that everyone's stereotypes can kind of eradicate and dissolve. Sometimes I feel, this could be a hot take, but sometimes I feel like it's also your own people mm. because um, even though you face, <laughs> see, even though you, like, we all face discrimination, sometimes we don't address the root cause. We think, oh, this person's being racist towards me because of another, like, I'm just going to use my community because another Hispanic person, like, either provoke them like it's just the most outrageous excuses that you make mm -hmm. to kind of like not band together as a minority community and kind of address these problems head-on because you're so focused on blaming one group or blaming another because you were being discriminated against even though the root cause is not your people it's not the other minority it's the people who are uneducated mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. your culture and about um yeah about your culture you definitely need to be okay with yeah first of all joining forces, um, but then also um, you need to be okay with having these uncomfortable conversations too, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. like in some instances, maybe it's someone in your minority group who is discriminated against someone else. You, you need, like as part of kind of making sure that we grow as people, we need to ensure that we're educating people within our own minority group too. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. And society is so fast moving. Like mm -hmm. I was talking to my dad this morning and like, I was like, man lived when the USSR was still a thing. Yeah. I was still thinking about it. And like, because it shows like how quick and like 
um, like our society is moving. Um, every day people just get up, you know, whether it's to get up, you're going to school. Um, uh, Andrea over here going to tag, having like 15 <laughs> different APs or whatever. But anyways, <laughs> all these like things that you do throughout the day, uh, going to work, like make things so quick that we never really slow down and um, have these conversations. Mm -hmm. But I think that, um, and I've had this conversation with my dad sometimes and uh, some um, other people, and they always say that um, our generation uh, is very critical into mm -hmm. like uh, creating um, a society that accepts everyone uh, because we have both like this idea to work and like we have this like, you know, grind hard 3 a.m. thing. Mm -hmm. And then we also have a contrast of emotional intelligence and an understanding of like where we are placed in society mm -hmm. and having discussions like these are key to changing that society, but um, but also be able to keep up with it at the same time, which is which is very difficult. Um, but like, look at like, we, we can also look at like the strides that um, have been made, uh, like the organizations that uh, we've talked about. Um, African stores like everywhere, every corner, like low key, y'all need to go to one. Um, <laughs> but like, we can look at the strides that uh, we've made, which are obviously good, but it is also very important to uh, say that it's not enough because it's not. Um, our, like we advertise that America is like this, like my dad used to tell me that they advertise that America is like second to heaven, that whenever <laughs> you get here, you know, money is like growing on the trees and stuff <laughs> like that. But in reality, even if like it's like somewhat true, there is, uh, there are things that our society perpetuates and we think is okay that is clearly not okay. So I think that we, um, as a generation, not just us here, you know, we might be, you know, really, you know, smart individuals, but uh, <laughs> we need, um, like, not only us, but we need, uh, like, the people, our friends at school, uh, you know, friends that you talk to every day. But these other, these people also have to have conversations like these because I think that, um, us, our generation, is really important in creating mm -hmm. um, that society that we so long for. That is a very beautiful note to end on. I really appreciate mm -hmm. your feedback mm -hmm. um, and your perspective, Leroy. That was very, that was very well greatly said, appreciated. Well, said. well, very well said. <laughs> um, so, kind of just to end this off, it's really important that uh, if you're a minority yourself who's listening or if you're somebody who's interested in learning about other cultures and learning about how to be more accepting, um, I really hope that you um, take advantage of the resources that there are online, you take advantage of the anecdotes that we talked about, about our experiences, and to make a more culturally diverse and accepting society. So um, thank you everyone for watching. Uh, we hope we ate, and see you in the next one. Bye. Bye.